No, I don't. I don't need anything. I can just stand up here like this. Well, good morning. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Josh, and uh, I'm the senior leader here at Activate Christchurch. Like Ash said, we're kicking off a new series this morning called At the Movies. It's just a bit of fun. It's a bit of, you know, holiday, still kind of vibe going on. I mean, we're still in the middle of January. Kids haven't gone back to school yet. Guys and girls that are at university have probably got another seven months off or something ridiculous like that. Uh, all of us real grown-ups have probably gone back to work, but I still see photos on social media of other people that are still on holiday and taking their holidays. So it's still very much, you know, we're like a holiday kind of vibe. And so at the movies is just a little bit of fun. It's basically all we're doing before you freak out and go, oh, it's, where's the Bible? It's just, we're just using a movie to springboard an idea. All right, just to be a little bit different, and then there's a lot of Bible, and the rest of the message is pretty much, you know, as you would expect. So the big question is, well, what movie have I chosen for this morning? Anyone that knows me well would know that I've probably gone Disney, Aladdin is, a, is an option. Yeah, does anyone else have any suggestions on what I could have gone with? Toy Story is a, God, Toy Story, I've got to preach again, that could be a good one, actually. I'm a last toy! Um... I have gone for a kid's movie, but I've actually gone for Kung Fu Panda 3. Now, who has seen any of the Kung Fu Panda movies? Right, there's three of them. First one is awesome. First one, if you haven't seen it, it's about a panda called Po, who's just obsessed with Kung Fu, and he lives in China in the shadow of the Jade Palace. The Jade Palace is where all the masters of Kung Fu live and train. There's the Furious Five, the best five Kung Fu you know, fighters in China. You have got Tigress, she's a tiger. You've got Viper, she's a snake. You've got Crane, he's a bird. You've got Mantis, who's a praying mantis, and then you've got Monkey, who's a dog. And, no... <laughs> It's a joke, he's a monkey. Right, you've got these five, they're called the Furious Five, and they're all trained by a little red panda called Shifu. You might not have known he was a little red panda. I had to Google that to find out what on earth he was. I was like, is he a raccoon or what? He's a little red panda, but he's a wise little red panda. And he trains the Furious Five. And so in Kung Fu Panda number one, for a series of bizarre flukes and circumstances, Poe the Panda, who is just this guy that makes noodles with his dad, who's a goose, ends up becoming the dragon warrior who was uh, prophesied for centuries would come and, you know, um, set the Chinese people or the Chinese animals, because they're mostly pigs and chickens and stuff, free from this bad guy that comes back. And so Kung Fu Panda 1, that's what happens. Poe the Panda becomes a dragon warrior. He has to fight against you know, the resentment from the other five who've been trained, and he's just this overweight, slack attitude, lazy, doesn't take anything seriously kind of guy. I relate to him. And that's what happens in Kung Fu Panda. It's a great movie. Kung Fu Panda 2, mm, not so good. Uh, in Kung Fu Panda 2, we're introduced to the idea that uh, Poe's dad in Kung Fu Panda 1 is not his real father, which doesn't come as a shock because he's a goose, right? And Poe's a panda, but we're kind of, there's a lot of other stuff that goes on, but one of the side threads is that, okay, he kind of had to flee from his village and he doesn't know who his real parents are. And then we get to Kung Fu Panda 3, and Kung Fu Panda 3, Poe's Real father, who is a panda, turns up and there's another bad guy who's on the loose in Kung Fu Panda 3 and Poe has to go home to his original birthplace, which is filled with pandas 
And he has to train all of these overweight, lazy, don't take life seriously pandas. Well, I don't know if they're overweight. That's not fair. I mean, pandas are pretty big. Maybe they're just a healthy panda size, but compared to everybody else. And he has to train them all in the arts of kung fu and martial arts so that they can come together and defeat the ultimate bad guy. So now you're all caught up on three Kung Fu Panda movies, and the scene we're about to watch is after the first day of training with Poe as the teacher now. It's his first time teaching. He's never done it before. And Shifu, his master, asks him kind of how it's gone. Whoa. Everyone go, whoa. I told you he was a wise red panda. If you only do what you can do, you will never be more than you are now. When I watched Kung Fu Panda 3 and he said that, I was like, ah, oh! like I Facebooked it straight away. You can even go onto my timeline and see when I watched Kung Fu Panda 3 because I Facebooked it. I was like, that's an extraordinary statement. And it's amazing sometimes how something as seemingly innocuous as just a movie, a kid's movie, can still have such truth in it. If you always do what you can do, then you will never be more than you are. Now, I want to talk to you this morning about growth. Growth, yes. Fun topic to talk about. The Bible is filled with verses about growth. For example, Peter, 2 Peter 3.18 says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.10 says that we should bear fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. Psalms 104.14 says the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon. We are, as human beings, we're supposed to grow. It's inbuilt inside each one of us. There is a desire to do better, to be better, to be bigger, to achieve more. It's why we make New Year's resolutions. We joked about it last week, but we all make New Year's resolutions because all of us go, I want to be a better version of myself in a year's time than I am now. And that is unique to us. We've got a whole bunch of sheep around our house at the moment. I was looking at them last night and I thought, I wonder if a sheep is ever just sitting there going, what the heck am I doing with my life? <laughs> Do you think sheep worry about that? Like it's eating grass going, this, you know, I'm still the same sheep that I was two years ago. What am I doing? Sheep don't do that. Who's got a dog? Right? I love dogs. Dogs are great. But do you think a dog ever sort of sits there and goes, you know what? I haven't grown at all in the last 12 to 24 months. I was a 7 out of 10 dog last year. What have I done this year to mix things up? Like dogs, animals, no one cares about that except us. Like it's very unique to human beings because God's put it inside of us. He's put this desire in us to want to grow, to want to be better. If I sat down with any one of you and said, okay, you've got two choices. One is that in 10 years' time, you're exactly the same. You've got the same level of maturity, the same skill set, the same experience. Nothing's changed. Or option two, 10 years' time, you're a better person. You've grown in a lot of areas. You're emotionally more mature than you were. You can handle situations that you couldn't handle before. What option do you want? 
Every single person would go, well, I want option B, obviously. Like, we, we want to grow. We want to do better. But, and this is the single most important thing I want you to take out of this morning. If you forget everything that I've said and you can only remember one thing, I would choose it to be this. Growth is a choice. This is huge. Growth is a choice. Physical growth happens automatically. I am 37 years old. This time next year, I will be 38 years old. And do you know what I have to do to make that happen? Nothing. It just happens. Dang it. Hey. Uh, yeah, well, that's true. I have to eat. That's right. Yeah, but I could get a car. I could last a couple of weeks at least. Uh, you know, I mean, getting older sucks, right? Oh, yes, it doesn't. Okay, that's not true. No, no, getting older doesn't suck. Some aspects of getting older sucks. Like when you get older, if you're a guy, not every guy, but some guys, their hair gets a little bit lesser and lesser and, and lesser. And eventually you get to a point where you go, well, you know what? I don't care about my hair. I'm not at that point yet. But, you know, <laughs> Gene, I feel like I'm picking on you, Gene. <laughs> Anyway, my point is, right, is that we don't have to do a lot to grow physically. It just, it just happens. And the mistake that we make often is we just assume that all growth works like that, that emotional growth works like that, that spiritual growth works like that. We just flick onto autopilot and we go, everything's going to be okay, but that's not how growth works because growth is a choice. If you don't make a decision to be a better person, a bigger person, a more evolved person, a more experienced person than you are right now, then none of that will happen. And even though life will bring us opportunities to grow, because life's so great like that, just throws us a smorgasbord of opportunities on a consistent basis to grow, it still comes in the form of a choice. And we can choose to take advantage of that growth opportunity and grow, or we can choose not to. A lot of people live their life, like let's just imagine that our life is a vehicle, a lot of people live their life like it's an automatic. If you hop into an automatic vehicle, you just push your foot down on the accelerator and away you go, right? And the car will work its way from first gear to second gear. You don't have to do anything, just second to third, third to fourth, fourth to fifth, maybe if you've got a really flash car. Do some cars have six gears? Can you get to a sixth gear in cars? Yeah? Yeah, all right, then there you go. I'm a, Five plus overdrive, just, but it does it all by itself, right? And you just, you're just sitting there. Some cars have even got cruise control. Went down to Timaru the other day to buy a lawnmower, and my brother-in-law came with me, and he said, I would never buy a car ever again unless it had cruise control. And as soon as he said it, I was like, man, my foot's sore. I hadn't even thought about it before, but now I'm like, oh, I could be driving a car where I don't have to do this. I could just flick a button and then just sit there, you know? But automatic cars are like that. You don't have to do anything. And a lot of people live their life like their life is an automatic car. But it's not. It's a manual. Or if you're an American, it's a stick. And when you drive a manual, you've got to be a lot more involved in the process. You've got to be changing gears and flicking things around. And if you don't, if you just shove your foot down in first gear and try and get up to 100k, what's going to happen? Your revs will go through the roof, you'll blow your engine up, and your car will die. And you'd look at it and go, well, that was a stupid thing to do. You can't just put your foot down and just go without thinking. You've got to hear what's going on and listen to it and change gears and all that kind of stuff. But a lot of people live their life like they're driving an automatic, and they're not. They're driving a manual. Because growth is a choice. Now, here's the big question. This is the million-dollar question. If all of us are hardwired to grow and to want to grow. If there's a desire in us to want to be 
better versions of ourselves, and I think there is. And if growth is a choice, and we can choose to grow, and it is, then why is it that so many of us, myself included, do not grow nearly as much as they should, or do not take the most of every growth opportunity? If we want to grow, and if we can choose to grow, why? Why are we not doing that? I mean, it's logical, right, if you think about it. The only logical answer to that question is that we are making the choice not to grow. Why would we do that? Why would we want to grow, know that we have the power to choose to grow, and still choose not to do it? What I want to talk to you about this morning is three things that will stop us from choosing to grow. Because the bottom line is that all of us, many times, in fact, far more often than not, most of us will choose not to grow rather than choosing to grow when faced with an opportunity. And there are a lot of different reasons why we might make that bizarre decision, but I've just picked three, and I've picked three that all start with the same letter, because it's proven that makes it easier to remember. So they all start with the letter C, bit of alliteration for you. If you're taking notes, you can jot them down, but here's what I want you to do. Uh, and I do this a lot, I know I do this a lot, but it's because we're in a church called Activate, and Activate means that we are characterized by action rather than contemplation or speculation. That's what activate means. Activate means to make active, that is, characterized by action rather than speculation or contemplation. We will be known not for contemplation, what we think about, not for speculation, what we talk about, but for action, which is what we do. So there's no point in me getting up here and giving you a message and you go, well, that's an interesting thing to think about. That's an interesting thing to talk about, but he hasn't given me anything to do. So every message, you will have something to do. If you don't like it, tough. <laughs> you can choose not to do it. You can choose not to grow. That's, that is your choice, totally your choice. It's a dumb one, though, but it's your choice. So of these three reasons why you would choose not to grow, this morning I want you to pick one. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, which one of these three, and if you're anything like me, you'll go, it's all of them, because for me it's all of them, plus others that I haven't listed, but we can only work on one thing at a time, I can anyway, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit as I go through them, which one of these three do you want to speak to in my life, not just this morning, but this week, okay, I want us to, in this church, I want us to understand that we come here on a Sunday morning, and I want you to take home what you have heard, what you have experienced, and I want you to apply it to your life. Otherwise, you're just coming to church and going home and nothing changes. What's the point in that? I think we've all got better things to do than just come to church, go home, nothing changes. Come on. Anyway, first one, number one reason why we would choose not to grow when given the opportunity to grow is that growth is challenging. Right? If you look up the word challenging in the thesaurus, which I did, you get a whole bunch of lovely words like problematic, tough, difficult, arduous, laborious, troublesome. Growth is painful at times. Growth is hard at times. And the truth is that all of us are biologically wired to look for the easier way to do something. It's just, it's part of the incredible brain that God has given us. Our brain says to us, I need you to conserve energy, I need you to conserve time, I need you to conserve X, Y, Z. And so if I can work out a smarter way to do something, if I can work out a way to achieve something without putting in all this effort, then I'll do it. And we don't consciously sit through and go, well, this is what my brain is doing. We just 
go down the pathway that the brain says do this. So very often we're given a choice to grow, but growth is hard, growth is tough. Growth might mean we've got to do something that we don't want to do. It might mean we've got to do something that we've never done before. And that's a lot more difficult on the brain as well. And so the brain says, okay, how about you just don't? And we go, that's a great idea, brain. Because if I don't grow, I don't have to have that conversation. I don't have to meet with that. I don't have to go there. I don't have to change this. And that's all way too hard. This is a great idea. Just don't. I'm a genius. I remember, case in point, this is an example of me not growing because the growth option was too challenging. Uh, And I've shared this with a couple of the the staff. Uh, It's a funny story. Well, it's funny to you. It wasn't funny to me. I set my driving test when I went for my restricted license in an automatic vehicle. Now, I don't know if it's still like this, but back when I sat it, if you set your restricted driving test in an automatic vehicle, you were only allowed to drive automatic vehicles. You weren't allowed to drive a manual vehicle, which makes sense because just because you know how to hold a steering wheel and push your foot down doesn't mean you know how to drive a manual car. So, uh, and then I was on my restricted driver's license for a year and a half. So for a year and a half, I couldn't drive a manual vehicle. I was only legally allowed to drive uh, automatic. And then when I got my full license at around 18... 19 maybe, uh, I only had an automatic vehicle because that's all we had at home. So for like two or three years, I just drove an automatic and I never drove a manual ever. Didn't know how to drive a manual, had never learned how to drive a manual. If you only do what you can do, you'll never be more than you are now. I couldn't drive a manual. It's an important part of the story. Because when I was 19, I started working for a radio station in Christchurch called More FM. And More FM had this competition that would run during the week and you would win tickets to go to Mount Hart skiing on the weekend. And we would get about 10 to 12 people that would win tickets during the week, and then they'd all come to the station on Victoria Street in Christchurch, and we would take them up to the slopes in our station vehicle, which had been especially kitted out for this. It was like an old army-type truck, and all the seats had been taken out, and we just had benches down the sides, and you could fit five people on one bench, and five people on the other bench. It was all legal, and then we had the cab, and it was painted red, and it had white snowflakes all over it, and a big Morifim logo, and it was called like the Snowplower or something like that. It was huge. It was not an automatic. You can see where this is going. One day, my boss said to me, hey, we've dropped the Snowplower off to get repaired, some stuff done to it, sort of up Moorhout, Lincoln Road area. Uh, I'm going to drop you off and I need you to drive it from Lincoln Road back to the station on Victoria Street, which is like Bailey Avenue. So I'm driving from one side of the city centre to the other side. And I thought, oh, oh, this could be a problem. But I didn't want to say to my boss, yeah, I'm a 19-year-old guy that can't drive a manual. So I just said, yes, no worries. How hard can it be? (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) So I can still remember this like it was yesterday. Anyone got a memory like that? It's just like burned into your brain. You're like, God, please help me to forget this, but you can't. (laughs) I pick up the snowplow, and I'm not even joking, I literally bunny hopped the entire width of the Christchurch CBD. Like, I bunny hopped, I stalled it. There was one moment where I bunny hopped it forward and then killed it right in the middle of an intersection. And I just had to sit there like this while cars were going around me. And it's not like I was doing it in this little wee, you know, innocuous you know, Honda Civic or something. It was this huge red bus with more FM all over it. And, and literally, I remember this massive truck behind me just, because I'm like, 
you know, all the way, I like whiplash and stuff. And I can remember, I still remember pulling into the car park in Victoria Street, and, and I'm like drenched in sweat. Like, I've got sweat in every single crevice in my body. You know that, you know what I'm talking about when you start sweating there? Like, sweat everywhere. And I remember I opened up the door, and I didn't hop out, I fell out of the car, and I just lay on the tar seal, like, oh, worst moment of my life. My boss comes out, and I just see these feet come up to me. And I look up and he goes, we've had some phone calls. <laughs> some maniac is bunny hopping our station vehicle through the CBD. People were ringing up being like, some, some nine-year-old stolen your car, man. Like, oh, it was, so, it was so horrible and so mortifying that as I lay on the tar seal, I thought, I'm never, I'm never putting myself through that again. And so I just made a decision, I'm not driving a manual ever again. And it became a problem to the point where I would not be able to go somewhere because the only option was to borrow someone's car that was a manual, you know, all this kind of stuff. But I managed to somehow limp my way through the next 10 years of my life. But I remember I got offered a job in Auckland, again, for Maury Fairm up in Auckland. And the guy up there said, hey, look, you, you know, we'll, we'll fly you up, we'll put you up in a place to stay, we'll give you a station vehicle to drive around in. And I literally interrupted him and said, just hold on a second, is it an automatic? This is like as a, as a 26-year-old. I said, is it an automatic? He goes, uh, I think so. I said, because if it's not an automatic, I can't drive it. Right? Like, it was just ridiculous the lengths that I went to. Because growth is painful, it's hard, it's troublesome, it's laborious. But then, happy ending to the story, I finally got over it, and I realized, you know what? I can just keep saying no to this growth opportunity for the rest of my life. And event, it's just going to get more and more ridiculous, and I'll become more and more restricted and more and more limited. Or I can bite the bullet and go, okay, it's going to be hard, it's going to be tough, but I've got to get through it. So when I started my own business, and I needed to buy a vehicle, I bought a manual vehicle. Because I was like, if the only way for me to get to my job, where I'm going to make money, is to drive a manual, well, then that'll motivate me to, to do it. And honestly, it took like you know, two or three days of me doing a few bunny hops around Christchurch, installing it here and there. Thankfully, I wasn't in a huge red station vehicle. And then I got over it, and then I could drive a manual. And so now I can drive a manual. Thank you. Right, but we all have, maybe we don't have stories as extreme as that, but we all have opportunities to grow that we just say no to because at the time it's just too difficult. Too difficult. The lie is that if we just say no to it, then the problem will go away and it won't matter. But in my case, it just became more and more and more restrictive. So maybe that's your story. Maybe that's the reason that you have said no to so many growth opportunities in the past is because it's just been too challenging and you haven't wanted to do it. But if you only do what you can do, then you'll never be more than you are now. I watched a TED talk uh, during the week by a lady who uh, is in her mid-50s and she was a multiple uh, uh, Pulitzer Prize winner or some kind of journalistic award winner. She'd won it five times and She'd been very successful and then she'd got sick and so she was a breast cancer survivor and she had some other illness which she'd overcome as well. But her life was kind of stalling in her mid-50s and so she decided to write a blog and in her blog she would do something that she had never done before every day for a year. And so this TED Talk, which is 12 minutes long, you can just find it on YouTube, is her essentially unpacking the result of doing something she had never done before every day of her life for 12 months. 
and it totally transformed her life. She talked about a neuroscientist who specializes in how our brains experience time. I think we're all familiar with the theory of relativity. Like we've all been somewhere that's half an hour long and gone, why does this feel like it's five hours long? And then we've all been somewhere for half an hour or five hours and gone, why did that feel like it was half an hour? Like time, we don't experience time as a constant. We experience time as a relative abstract thought. And so this neuroscience, he has studied the brain in uh, conjunction with how we experience time. And he discovered something very interesting. He said, when we do something for the first time, it requires our brain to operate at a far higher level than it does normally because it's got a whole bunch of new information to process. So it's firing off a whole bunch of parts of it that it wouldn't normally fire off because it's doing something that it's never done before. That makes sense. He said, when that happens, we experience time far slower. And so that's why very often when you do something for the very first time, you can remember it for a long, long time afterwards. But he said the reverse is also true. If you're just on autopilot, if you're just doing things that you've always done, if you're not changing routine and you're not changing you know, what you're comfortable with and you're not changing how you think about things and how you approach things, your brain will just flick into autopilot and it doesn't need to be firing off at all these different levels because it knows what it's doing. It's done it a thousand times before and time passes much faster. And that's why you can have a week where you don't really do anything overly special, you're just doing mundane routine stuff, and you get to the end of the week and you're like, where'd that week go? That just like flew by, right? But then you can have a day that you just pack with adventure and all kinds of things, and you'll remember it for years and years and years afterwards. So if you want to slow your life down, start doing some new things. Another reason that we might not grow or might not choose to grow, another C word, is because growth means change. And as human beings, we don't like change a lot of the time, especially if it's change that we don't agree with. But it's impossible to grow and for things not to change. Growth and change are pretty much the same thing. They mean the same thing. And one of the reasons we don't like to change is because change comes with it grief. Because if you think about it, if you want to grow, you've got to change because you can't grow doing the same things the same way at the same time. You have to do things differently, and that means you've got to change. And if you change, that means that you have to let go of some of the things that you were doing in order to take hold of the new. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, we went out to Cornerstone, and Dre preached out of this verse, Isaiah 43:13. And uh, Dre, who's the pastor at Cornerstone in Rolleston, he said, I feel like this is a prophetic word for activating Christchurch in particular. It says, forget the former things, do not dwell on the past, see I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? What God is saying in this verse here is that he wants to do something new, but you can't take hold of the new. You can't recognize the new. You can't see the new things that God wants to do if you are focusing on what God has done in the past. And that's the, I guess, the issue that we face as human beings is we want to grow but growing means we've got to do things differently, change the way we view things, change the way we think about things. And in order to do that, we've got to let go of the way that we were doing it. And very often there is a lag between us letting go of the old and receiving the new. And that can be a really awkward time because we feel like we've given something up, but we haven't got anything back for it yet. Uh, I watched another YouTube video during the week. Uh, <laughs> 
I don't usually watch a lot of YouTube videos, but this week I did. But have you guys ever seen this before? Have you ever seen how they trap monkeys in some parts of the world? This is fascinating. What they'll do in parts of the world where there are monkeys, they will get coconuts or they'll get jars and they'll cut a hole in them just big enough for the monkey to fit his or her hand through. The video that I watched, they had a, a, a bank of clay about this high and they cut out a hole in the clay and they put a jar in it and then they packed all the clay back around it and it went hard so you could not get the jar out and there was a hole in the jar just big enough for a monkey to get his hand through. And then they fill the jar with fruit and nuts and all the sorts of things that a monkey wants. And this monkey goes up to it and he puts his hand in the jar. That's the thing, your hand fits in but as soon as you grab the fruit and the nuts, you form a fist and you can't get your fist back out. And then the guy just walks up to the monkey, a wild monkey, and as the guy approaches, the monkey starts losing his, you know, losing his stuff. He's like leaping around and squawking and scrapping, but his hand's still in the jar. And the guy just walks up to him with a rope, puts the rope around him, and leads him away, just catches this monkey. Here's the fascinating thing. The monkey thinks that he's being held captive by the jar, but he's not. What is holding him captive is his unwillingness to let go of what's in his hand. If he just let go of his, what was in his hand, his hand would be free. And we operate like that. We think that we are being held prisoner, being held captive by whatever it is that is encircling us. The truth is that we are not. What is holding us captive is that we are not willing to let go of what we have in our hand. What stops us from moving forward into what God wants us to do with our lives or this next season that God has for us it's not our circumstances, it's not the things that we can see around us. Nine times out of ten, it is our unwillingness to let go of what we're holding on to. Does that make sense? Maybe that is the thing that you are struggling with this morning. Maybe this is the thing that God is saying, hey, you need to let go of this. Growth means change. You have to change the way you do things. And I was just thinking about it this morning as I was walking down the, the road. And I know this isn't a popular thing to say, and I'm, I'm very big about dreams I'm really big about vision, and you come to me, and you've got a big dream and a big vision. You want to do something awesome with your life, and I'm like, that's great. Go for it. But I just felt the sense this morning that God was saying that there may even be dreams that you are holding on to that God needs you to let go of. As I say, it's not necessarily a popular thing to say, and I would say nine times out of ten, if you come to me and you go, look, I've got this great dream, I've got this great ambition, that I'll be like, let's champion it, let's go for it, God wants us to dream big. I'm not the sort of guy to say, well, you know, let's get a little bit more realistic, let's try and bring that down to something that you can achieve. I mean, my attitude is that unless you're dreaming something that's so big that you can't achieve it, then it's probably not God, or at least it's not all of God, because God gives us a dream that is impossible to achieve unless God's real. If you look at your life, you look at your dream and you go, I could probably knock this out of the park even if God didn't exist, then I would say you haven't got all of God's plan for your life. Because God's plan for your life is so big that unless God's real and he's doing it with you, you will not be able to do it. That's my attitude. But sometimes we can hold on to something for too long. Some dreams do have an expiration date. Uh, for example, when I was 17, I played a year Rugby. I played soccer all my life. I loved playing soccer. I, I played representative soccer when I was a kid. And then we moved from New Brighton, which is where I lived and where I played all my football. We moved out to the country. And I thought, you know what? This is a time to try something different. I wonder if I would be as good at rugby if, I'd be, if, I, if I am at soccer. And so I decided to play rugby for a year. And I'd be lying if I'd said that there wasn't a small part of me that thought, what if I'm really good? 
I was 17, so I was coming on a little bit late. But I thought, what if I'm really good? Like, what if I could be an All Black or something? Because if you were going to choose which sport to represent New Zealand in, you wouldn't pick soccer, right? Look, no one cares about soccer. Like, when I played for Canterbury, our coach had to pay for our uniform because we could not find a sponsor. That's how little people cared about soccer, right? And then I went and played rugby for Kaiapoi, and we just had money being thrown at us all over the place by different people and different companies, and we had track suits and bus trips and things, and I was like, this is ridiculous. But I thought at the time, what if I would be good enough to you know, play for the... I wasn't. And I picked like the worst team ever, and they put me on the wing, and if anybody knows rugby, if you're on the wing playing for the worst team ever, it is boring. The only difference between what I was doing and the people watching on the sideline was that I was two metres on one side of the line and they were two metres on the other side. But I just spent 80 minutes going, ah, and then at the end it was like 72-0. We had one game where a coach just walked off halfway through the game, just just disappeared. And I was like, all right. And I was on the sideline, so I thought, I'll go too. So I just left as well. It was, you know, my, my very first game, I'm not even joking, my very first game uh, there was a, a ruck, a bunch of guys there, and one of the guys on my own team, my team, just goes running up to a guy who's on the floor and just goes, bang, into his head. Knocks him out cold. We had to stop the game. They had to call the ambulance. The ambulance couldn't get onto the field because there were chains across the field. They had to call the fire service to cut the chain. I'm standing there going, I'm 30 minutes into my rugby career. There's ambulances, there's fire engines, there's guys knocked out. I'm like, this is ridiculous. This is my team. My team was filthy. I remember my coach pulling me aside one day saying, hey, I need you to fire the guys up a bit. I wasn't the captain or anything. I was just on the wing. I said, yeah, what what do you want me to say? He said, don't say anything. He's like, when there's a rut, he said, go in there, just give them a couple of punches, but don't let them see it was you. He said, and when they they pop up and they're like, who did that? Just point to anyone on the other team. I don't care. (laughs) Right? Now, if I told you, it was not a great experience that year at all. If I told you that my dream at 17 was to be an all black, you might say, okay, it's ambitious, it's huge, but if God's in it, then we can work on it. But how many people know there's an expiry date on that? Because now I'm 37. And if I said to you, can I tell you something? I feel like I've got a God dream. I'm going to be an all black. You'd be like, hmm. Like God's powerful, but no one's that powerful. Like, you know, you've got a dodgy knee, you've had one reconstructed. Like, do you know what I mean, though? Like, there are times when you have to go, okay, I had that dream, and now I've got to let it go. And I just felt this morning, I have got nobody in mind, I promise you that. I just felt like God said, that can sometimes be something that holds us back from the future. Is we're not necessarily holding on to bad things, like unforgiveness or resentment or pride. We're actually holding on to something that was good. But God is still saying, okay, that, the time for that has passed, and I've got something new for you but you have to let go of that in order to take that. So maybe that's something that you need to go home and really talk to God about. And then the last one, and I'll finish with this, I'll get the band to jump up. Oh, here we go. Because it was at the movies, I thought I'd better have this. Let it go. thought about singing it, but I'm not going to do that. Could get Paul to do it. <laughs> you know what? I, didn't, I, I really couldn't understand what you meant when you said standing on a barrel of geese, but I get it now. The third thing that might stop us from choosing to grow is that growth costs. It costs time. It might cost money. It certainly costs effort. It may even cost relationships. Uh, Proverbs 13 verse 20 says that he who walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. It doesn't say that a fool suffers harm. It says even if you're friends with 
people who aren't doing the right thing. You can still get affected by it. Uh, very often, I think one of the things that stops us from growing as people is the people that we choose to surround ourselves with. One of my favorite sayings is, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Um, so maybe that's something, particularly younger people. I mean, it applies to all of us. Just because you're older doesn't mean that you don't have people in your life that aren't necessarily helping you grow. But especially when you're younger and you're making important decisions around who to do life with and who to run with in life, it's important to ask God and go, okay, is this someone that is going to contribute and help me move closer to what you want me to be in life or is this someone that I need to maybe take a break from? It can cost effort, like we've talked about before. It's just much harder to choose to go down the, I'm going to grow through this route than to just forget about it. It can cost time. I think sometimes as human beings, we overestimate what we can achieve in a short space of time, but we also underestimate what we can achieve in a longer space of time. I read a stat the other day that said something like 90% of people will quit at everything they try. That's a wild statistic. But I think back to all the different things that I've picked up and put down in my life. I'm going to try this. I'm going to learn a language. I'm going to do this. And you think, well, how much of it have I actually followed through on? And the reason we don't follow through on it is because it's just it's hard work. Nothing in life worth having is easy. I heard someone else say that um, you know, nothing in life worth having comes quickly. And usually the things that come quickly and come easily aren't worth holding on to. So maybe this is your issue. Maybe this is the one thing that God says, hey, this is what's been holding you back from choosing to grow, is you just haven't been prepared to invest the time or the energy the headspace. So those are the three. The three things that can stop us from choosing to grow. That growth can be challenging. And so many of us, myself included, we're just scared to try something new in case we look bad. In case we fail. Kids don't have that. If you look at the way kids grow, Kids grow by literally just moving from one thing that they don't know how to do to the next thing that they don't know how to do to the next thing that they don't know how to do. I mean, they don't know how to dress themselves. And then they learn how to do that by putting their pants on their head and their jerseys on their legs until they get it right. They don't know how to tie their own shoelaces and they fail and fail and fail and fail and then they get it right. They don't know how to ride a bike and they fall off and they fall off and they fall off and then they get it right. Kids are not worried about looking stupid in the process of learning new things. But at some point, we turn into adults and we do. We think, I'm not prepared to look stupid in the process to learn something new or to grow. And that's a shame. Maybe what holds us back is that, like I said, growth means change. And change means having to let go before we can take hold of the new. And that's a painful process. Maybe you've got some things that you're holding on to. And then the third one is that, yeah, growth costs. Even financially sometimes growth costs. I made a decision a couple of years ago that I wanted to grow as a leader and so I had to invest. I had to invest in books and I even flew to America twice to get some leadership training and to sit under people that I respected that were really top of their field when it came to leadership and that costs money. I'm not saying you've got to do that but I'm just saying if you want to grow you've got to be prepared to do what it takes. Why don't we stand to our feet this morning? Ultimately,